Why would a man smile when he loses $90 million? Stay tuned. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Justin Jurek, Vice President of User Experience at Mignani. With me each and every podcast is Justin Dobb, President of Mignani and amazing builder of guitars. Um, yeah. Yeah, take the compliment. You always take the compliment. Every episode, we'll talk about business strategy, user experience, disruption, and innovation. Uh, and on tap this week, I don't know if any of you guys saw that giant rocket blast off from Florida. That was pretty awesome. I did. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. The Falcon Heavy uh, from SpaceX, uh, kind of the culmination of a decade's worth of work from that organization, blasted off successfully. And it was, it was really interesting. I, I think one of the more interesting aspects of it was actually some of the press that was done the day before by Elon Musk, the founder of SpaceX, uh, where he basically, I'm paraphrasing, but he said, effectively, I'm totally comfortable with this blowing up. I mean, it, he said, I expect maybe 50-50 shot of this working. And if not, well, it's all going to go up in smoke. And I thought it was striking to hear uh, someone say that with such a degree of normalcy, um, that he was totally willing to accept that failure because that was gonna teach them as much about blasting off rockets than, than success. So uh, it's a really kind of interesting insight into innovators. And I think uh, a lot of the time, at least from my perspective, there's that combination, right? There's an audacity to kind of put out an idea, back it up with a plan to kind of get it to go anywhere, but then also, an expectation that it might fall flat and that's part of the ride. So, yeah. So I, I'll back this up with a little bit of anecdote. I have a, a friend who um, was actually on the board of PayPal back when it was, you know, Elon Musk and Peter Thiel. And, um, and his take on Elon Musk is that he's got a pathological appetite for risk. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, well, now- it's kind of evident, right? <laughs> like if you look at his... His bio. That he would literally, there's, there was no kind of advancement he wouldn't undertake, even at mm. like radically aggressive timeframes. Things that were, even when the time frame made it way too risky, he was okay with it. Yeah. Um, which I'm all for because, you know, because ultimately we have uh, Falcon Heavy Rocket yeah, yeah. and we've got, you know, Tesla Model S's, which I would love to own, which I don't. Um, yeah, I, I think I own the furthest thing from a Tesla Model yeah, S. We yes. won't get into that, but yeah. it's yeah, it's a city. It's car. a great car. It's quality. <laughs> it works. It works. It's got four wheels. If you could uh, put a gas engine on a roller skate, that's pretty much <laughs> be my car. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So there is a kind of an underappreciation for um, failure in innovation, and I think that's kind of what we're getting at. Yeah. If you're not failing, you're not learning anything new. And this is what Elon Musk was getting at, I think, with his, um, you know, 50-50. Yeah. And he, you know, well, he, and he was saying to himself, too, he's like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm saying in my mind two-thirds, but if I'm realistic, it's probably 50-50. And it's interesting. Um, one of the things I found fascinating last year was they rolled out this video. I think it was for the 4th of July that was basically set to music, if you haven't seen it, of all the explosions <laughs> of these rockets. And like, as you're watching it, the first time I watched it, I was like, oh, that's kind of that's kind of cool. And like how great that they're willing to kind of just be like, hey, this is all this is all the stuff that's blown up. But as I kind of uh, thought even deep more deeply about it, I was like, well, like 
that's just the stuff we can see, right? Yeah. Like, there's, and caveat, right? They're launching rockets into space. It so is, in fact, rockets. It science. is very, you know, this is a tough thing to do. Um, there are going to be catastrophic failures when it fails, and there will be more. I, I'm sure there would be a massive, I would be shocked if there wasn't a massive Falcon Heavy explosion in the next seven or 10 launches, yeah, right? Yeah. Hopefully um, there won't be any people on board. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's just, it just comes part and parcel with the business of spaceflight. Obviously, we're not working in spaceflight. So it's an interesting thing to think about. Like, what lessons can you learn from that kind of aggressive <laughs> failure? Well, we are, we are kind of uh, put in that situation every time Google, you know, sunsets these experiments that they yeah. get us all attached to. Um, well, I mean, you know, I don't know if Google Plus counts because I don't know anyone who's attached to it. No. But- um, and they launch all of these initiatives and they, you know, they learn what they need to learn from it. And then they just, they make, they disappear them like they're in the witness protection program. Yeah, it's gone. <laughs> just gone. Um, but that's their, their whole idea too, is that we'll try a lot of things. Uh, Google Glass, right? They would consider that a success. Yeah. Um, it was a, a sociology experiment gone horribly, horribly wrong. <laughs> but, you know. Yeah. Still, they learned something. Out yeah, of it. absolutely. And I, the, I think the other interesting thing about, you know, a company like Google, you know, that's so kind of data centric is that there's such a quantity of scale that they have that they can really get at what the issues are that a, a group of people may be having with a certain service just because of the scale. Um, I think it's interesting when you bring it down, you know, these same kind of principles down to kind of smaller scale projects. Like, how do you know if the thing you're creating or the thing you're designing or the, the strategy you're developing is going to work. You know, some of that is really asking the people who are around you, you know, that may not be privy to the ins and outs, so they're not biased against it. You know, does this thing work? And that is as valid a a test of whether or not something works as launching a rocket and watching it blow up. You're going to get any kind of feedback you can get about the work you're doing, uh, I think is, is helpful in kind of getting it to a more refined place. Well, the other side of that, too, is that you don't really realize all the time what Google is actually testing. So uh, a lot of people don't remember Google used to have a 411, Google 411, right? You could get, you know, call for a phone number, mm-hmm. uh, but it was through your, your mobile. And um, all of a sudden that disappeared at some point. Yeah. With it. But then they said, oh, we were really just using that to do machine learning on the human voice, right? So now you have Google Home and all these things. Those were all trained on people asking for someone's phone number. Yeah. Um, years ago that you know, that people who got really used to the service were upset when it disappeared. But thankfully, that kind of, again, testing, innovation, prototyping, they throw out, you know, can we create something that can understand the human voice, parse it, put it into text, make it searchable, make it, um, you know, kind of translatable into other things. Then they killed it, and then they bring out something cool. And then, so, you know, the delicious irony of that is when the robots take over and they're powered by Google Home Assistant, we will have trained Google yeah. Home Assistant. Yeah, we, we are definitely training our, to, our overlords. Yeah, yeah. I, for one, welcome our I don't know. Overlords. I don't know if I do. I don't know if I do. They're, they're creepy, which is odd to say, considering how immersed I am in all this stuff every day. But maybe that's why. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, no, you see it coming. Yeah, right? yeah. It's like, oh, there's the sausage. I don't know if I want to eat the sausage. Um, <laughs> sorry. I said I don't know if I want to eat the sausage. Yeah, you did. You totally We'll cut that. that part. I'm not going to cut that. Yeah, you shouldn't. You shouldn't. It's entertaining anyway. Oh, um, we mentioned Google Glass. Um, Google's not the only one that learns from Google's mistakes. Uh, Intel just launched a, a kind of a prototype of their new smart glasses. And everyone shouldn't be surprised. There's no camera on it. Yeah. 
I mean, that was a big one, right? I think that was the the you know nail, like kind of the Achilles heel, I should yeah. say, of the Google Glass was it had a camera on it, and they expected people to be okay with it. And, yeah, like you know, just recording every interaction. Yeah. It's uh, we the, also the black mirror that yeah. doesn't work. Or the, 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 did you read the circle? Yes. Or see the? I I didn't see the movie. Did no. you see the movie? No, nobody did really. No. I, was, I was sick that day. Yeah. <laughs> if you haven't read the circle and you're at all interested in kind of a mildly the uh, dark side of social media. Yeah, dark example of where all this stuff's heading. That's that's probably a, a decent little allegory. Oh, there's kind of interesting. So uh, it's a total side note. Um, the the uh, National Association of uh, Music Merchandisers show, the NAM show, just finished. And um, there's an interesting trend that I'm seeing that about going back to hardware, right? Going back to the fiddly bits and knobs and... Um, Away from kind of like the screen-based yeah. UIs. It um, makes sense. You know, uh, modular synthesizers that people are, you know, literally screwing into a rack, these panels, and they're patching them with cables into each other. And and everything is, you know, kind of nothing you couldn't have done in the 70s, really. It's kind of huh. amazing. And it's cheaper now, and there's there is some kind of integrated circuitry behind these things. It's not all giant analog filters, so that's why you can make them smaller. But... You know, it is, it's interesting. The, the trend is getting back to hands-on, making things that you touch and interact with on a more human level than just, you know, manipulating virtual things on your screens. Yeah, I think there's a, uh, it's really interesting to see kind of the touch interfaces evolve in that way. Um, if you look at kind of even the automotive dashes, right? They went, <laughs> some of them went way too far with what is, what is touch without any tactile feedback? And particularly in like music, where you really want to be able to feel, you, you want to have a better spatial sense of yep. where you are in relation, uh, particularly on like a board like that with all the, the dials and the, the switches. It's a lot easier to just know I'm stopping here, right? As opposed to having to look yep. at the screen to make that happen. Um, and the same thing I think was taking place with, with cars. If you look at kind of the newer iterations of these internal, even the entertainment systems or the integrated entertainment with, with HVAC stuff, um, you know, they've reintroduced bumps, you know, and little ridges on those, on those interfaces. So you can, you can feel where the button is without having to look, which, you know, when you're driving on the expressway is probably probably a good idea <laughs> that's probably a good idea um so yeah that's a really interesting uh observation i did not um i do not follow the nam like <laughs> no, you most, follow no most the nam don't. uh so uh, i wasn't aware of that but it's it, i think it is part and parcel of a wider trend um away from purely screen-based interfaces is something that has kind of some analog yeah. feedback as well i mean you know um i used to create these you know, kind of musical apps for, for iPad. Um, and I did it because I thought that was really cool and you could do all this music on the iPad and I made drum machines and like kind of guitar apps. Um, and I realized I kind of hated using them. I didn't like that you couldn't, <laughs> you know, really get that tactile feedback. Yeah. And I have some really awesome apps. Like Korg makes some of the most amazing kind of synthesizer apps. If you're a music person, the Korg Gadget app is really, it is amazing. It's like all this retro gear, drum machine synthesizers, all rolled into it with a sequencer. I mean, you could really do an album on this thing, and it's like $15. (laughs) That's amazing. Um, But I don't use it. Like, I know it has all this Uh, power, but I don't... You don't get pleasure from using it. Yeah, 
I don't get that visceral kind of I'm I'm making music. Yeah, you know? well, and that's I mean that's a big part of making music. You know, well, I mean me. it's, there's it's, some people whose entire like they do intellectual like electronic music that is there's that's their thing and it's you know it's almost you know algorithmic and they're yeah. real, you know it that's cool but I just I just can't get my literally can't get my arms around it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so we're seeing everything going back. You know, everything goes full cycle. You know, we're never going to have any controls any anywhere. It's all going to be, you know, flat pieces of glass. Um, but I think there's always a room for knobs. Yeah, there's a place for an analog, for sure. And in some places, you just can't avoid it. You, you have to kind of keep those, those things, those interfaces that you can actually physically interact with. Speaking of, I'm about to hit the stop button. Great. Hit the stop button. Bye, everybody.